Okay, we are live and we have people here, so if you want to make some noise, make some noise. Good, thank you, one person. Also, if you're at home, I suppose you can make noise also. I can't stop you from that. Uh, we are going to continue this series. We are in week four. We are in week four of this series uh, called A New World, in which I've been talking each week about the desire to come back to things as a new world. Not to just say, well, this is how things always were, so let's go back to it, but say, okay, we've had this chance. We basically had a reset for a year or so, a little over a year, uh, where everybody's gone back to their corner. Everybody has kind of stayed at home. Everybody has uh, realized what they're missing and what they're not missing. They've realized what their lives are like. And through that year, I hope that we've gained a greater understanding of other people, uh, gained a greater understanding of ourselves. And so as we get back to normal, Make it a better normal. Make it the way we treat people, the way we understand people, the way we uh, don't hate people, all of these things. Uh, just a bunch of things that we've dealt with over the past year, over the past several years. It's so ridiculous, and a lot of this is social media, a lot of this is just how people are. If you say something, there is definitely going to be somebody who says the opposite, but not just says the opposite, they say they hate you for believing the opposite. Uh, largely in politics, but in really anything. And it's gotten just vitriolistic, which I kind of made up, but it's mostly a real word. And, and it's awful. And so just as we go back, remember that. Remember that how we treat people matters. Uh, we started this series with love like that, with how Jesus treated people. Jesus absolutely did not agree with everyone that he talked to. The Pharisees literally walked around saying, we hate you. We don't want you to talk. They literally tried to talk people out of listening to him. All of these things. They literally had him put to death. And yet he still loved them. He didn't agree with them. He didn't change his faith. He didn't change his truth. He still was upfront with what he believed, with who he is, but he did not hate them. He did not give in to that hatred. He did not give in to, to what the rest of the world wanted to do. Uh, he didn't become like them. And just learning from that, learning his respect, learning his truth, learning how he treated everybody, learning who he is, and going from that, loving people like that, uh, we've talked about showing goodwill, seeking goodwill, going out, not looking for a fight, going out, not looking for reasons to disagree, but looking for ways to promote goodwill, to promote peace, to be better to each other. And again, this does not mean that you change what you believe. You definitely don't. It doesn't mean that you uh, always have to agree because you're not gonna. It means that the way you disagree, the way you treat other people, the way you live is respectful. It's, it's trustworthy. It is goodwill-y. And so all of these things are, are things that are important as we try to build a new world. Last week we talked about knowing what you believe. Because when you know what you believe, then you know how to talk about it. You know how to understand what other people believe. When I used to teach Sunday school at my last church and the church before that, uh, I taught a world religions class where I talked about other belief systems. And it wasn't from a, hey, this is how we're on there. It's like, this is what they believe. This is why they believe this. This is what we believe. This is why we believe that. Because it's important to know. It's important to know that other people don't have different beliefs just to tick you off. They have different beliefs because that's what they believe. And again, this doesn't mean that we all agree. It doesn't mean that everybody's right. It doesn't mean that everybody's truth is the same. It means that we do our best to know what we believe and then to live that out. This week, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about community, which is something that looks different for different people. And so I want to start first with Acts 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Uh, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Today's Pentecostal Sunday. Julie talked about this, that this morning and the coming of the Holy Spirit and, and how it united everyone, gave everyone this chance. And some people uh, were able to speak in other languages. Some people were able to understand those languages. Some people uh, were able to perform miraculous signs. All of these different things. Uh, often, if you're in church long enough, and as you grow up, hopefully you will be, but if you're in church long enough, regardless of what church it is, capital C Church, you're going to hear people Uh, say, let's look back at the church of Acts and and learn from that. And that's true. But often when they do that, they like to focus only on the fact that the numbers grew, only on the fact that they met every day, only on the fact that services could go hours and hours and hours. And all of those are good things. But we often skip over a lot of this because we don't know what to do with it because it's a very different time. Uh, For example, if uh, my youth workers who are here tonight, if I was like, okay, guys, we're going to really go back to this church of Acts. And seniors, you are going to be involved in this too. And graduates, you're going to be involved in this too. We are going to sell everything we own and give all that money to charity and just share everything. It would be insane how fast some of you would walk out of here, run out of here. Uh, there would be a rob-shaped hole in the wall. But, but it's, again, this is something that we don't understand because it was like somebody just looked to see if there was a hole in the wall. Uh, it's, this is something that we don't understand because it was a different time. And just let me put that in context a little bit. Uh, in order to be a Christian at this point in time, in this church in Acts, you had to essentially be underground. Like you met with the disciples, it was not a popular religion. There were people trying to kill you all the time. Uh, You're being persecuted. You were being questioned. You're being detained. You're being arrested. All of these things. And so they had to meet in secret. They had to meet together. And they would still go out and talk. They would still go out and share. But they had to be really careful. Because while they were safe together, they were not safe in the whole. And so in order to be together, a lot of them had to come from elsewhere and uh, give up their jobs, give up their homes so that they could be there. And so it was either the disciples and everybody else either had to be like, okay, well, you guys just go live outside and then come in for service or be like, okay, let's share. And this was all voluntary. This was all doing their best. And, and so I'm not saying that as a church we need to do that because we don't. It's a different society. It's a different time. But the key words there are great joy and generosity. Great joy and generosity. So often in our lives, we look for reasons not to give. We look for reasons to say someone else will help them. Someone else will do this. Someone else will do that. Someone else will step up. Uh, You go to the parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan where a priest and a temple assistant both walked by this guy who had been beaten up. This guy who, who believed like them. This guy who looked like them. This guy who was just there and had been beaten up and robbed. And they're like, somebody else will get that. Somebody else will take care of this. Somebody else will take care of him. Somebody else will be his friend. Somebody else will be his community. And then a Samaritan walked by who was hated. And I cannot establish enough, emphasize enough how much he was hated. I've said this before and I'll say it right now. Uh, They they were taught at that time, the the Jewish believers, that if a Samaritan woman was giving birth and having trouble, you did not help her. Because the best case scenario was another Samaritan would come in the world. That's legit hate. That's not good. It's legitimate hatred. And the Samaritan knew that. He was treated like that. He knew that that guy who was on the side of the street beaten up would not have helped him. And yet he helped him. He went above and beyond to help him. Because he showed who Jesus was. He showed generosity. 
And that's what I want to take from this. Not just that they met together. That's important. Not just that their, their uh, numbers grew, because that's good. I would love to have that happen. But the fact that they cared about each other. It doesn't matter what you give. If you give money because you can, that's fine. If you give food because you can, that's fine. But giving love, giving an ear, not literally, just an ear to hear. Giving a shoulder, again, not literally, but let somebody lean on your shoulder. Giving comfort, giving love, giving hope. That's what the church is about. That's why we are here. That's literally why this was all started. To share our faith, but not just to talk about it, to show it. That's what community is. That's what the church is. That's what the church is supposed to be. And it must have been so hard. We talked today, and a lot of people talk about this, uh, Christianity is not the number one way to live right now. Now, you can argue different ways because there are a lot of people who are in power that say they're Christian and all of this stuff, and I'm not going to get into that. What I'm saying is the ideals, the morals, the, the way we live, it changes. Not everybody does it. And sometimes you get made fun of because you go to church, because you go to youth. Sometimes you get made fun of because you're different, because you won't go party, because you won't do something else, because you won't live a certain way. That's nothing compared to worrying about your life every day. And so, again, I'm not going to say anybody has it easy, but I'm going to say we are here together to lift each other up. I saw something and it was on a stupid Facebook post. And I usually don't read them, but I just happened to be checking whose birthday it was. Uh, and... It said something, it's one of the, the posts that, you know, the people that, that share, uh, if you love Jesus, share this. If you don't, you don't love him. That's garbage, but still. Uh, it was something along those lines, but it was, when you die, there are six to eight pallbearers for your casket. Uh, and so that's, if you've ever been to a funeral, you know that there are people that carry the casket from the hearse to the grave. That's the end of the journey for that, I guess. And so they carry the casket, and there's six to eight people. And this said, imagine. Imagine what you could do if you were lifted by six to eight people throughout your life. If you were part of six to eight people that lifted each other. And, and it was kind of an awkward post, but the, the idea is sound. Imagine if we lifted people up instead of waiting until they were dead. Uh, if you watch as a celebrity dies or an athlete dies, uh, Joe Morgan died recently, and he's a famous red, one of my favorite baseball players of all time, even though I never actually saw him play. When he died, you heard all of these good things about him. Anybody that you name, a celebrity, an athlete, anybody that people know, when they pass away, you hear all of these good things about them. You, you, they get awards. They get posthumous awards. They get talked about. They get special days. All of these things. But why do we wait? Now, I'm not saying that everybody should get a special day. I'm not saying everybody should get awards. But I'm saying... We often wait to let someone know how we feel about them until after they're gone. We don't realize what we've lost until we lose it sometimes. And this past year has shown us a lot of that. There are people who had no idea that there were people people. Weird way to say that. There are people who had no idea what kind of a community they needed, what kind of a community they wanted. And so over the past year, they're like, this sucks. I don't know what I've lost. I don't know how to get it back. I don't know what to do. Now, on the flip side, there are people who had no idea how much they were sacrificing every day of their lives by being a part of what someone else defined as a community. And just the pain, the, the suffering that they felt that they just thought was how it was. And then over this year, they're like, whoa, I can feel Jesus clearer now. Neither of those ways is wrong. Neither of those ways is right. A community is different for different people. And just like the first church was what needed to happen for that time. 
What we do now is what we need to do over our time, but we need to do it better. We need to stand up more, to lift people up more, to show generosity, to show love, to show who we are, to build a new world. Uh, it is extraordinarily hard sometimes to know what to do in situations that involve other people. And you're like, every situation involves other people? Yeah, somewhat. Uh, there are people, like I said, who are very extroverted. And they need to feel like they belong. They need to feel like there's a community. Uh, there are people who are very introverted. And they need to feel that community, but in a different way. One of the things we found over the last year, and it has always existed, but that there are people who thrive watching services online. Now, of course, we want to encourage people to come back when they're comfortable. We want to encourage people to worship together. But there are people who, for whatever reason, and sometimes it's health, sometimes it's emotion, sometimes it's physical, whatever the reason, sometimes it's just comfort. They thrive, and they still tithe, and they still connect, and they still email, and they still talk, but it's just so different. We're at a very strange time in a lot of ways. Uh, so a lot of people of my age and older uh, came from generations where we didn't really have cell phones. We didn't really have internet stuff. Uh, some of us grew up with essentially like a tablet or a phone in our hands. Like we just knew. Beatrice knows how to use my phone better than my mom knows how to use her phone. That's actually not a joke. It's true. But anyway, she's two. Uh, but anyway, we're at this, this different time where all of the generations have different understandings. And so you will hear older people sometimes uh, talk about community in one way or talk about talking in one way. And be like, well, you have to call them or you have to meet them in person. And there's absolutely something to be said for the personal touch. But there are people who don't need that. Now, on the flip side, you've got people who are like, well, you just have to text it. You just have to text. You just have to send an email. Again, that doesn't work for everybody either. So how do you know? How do you know what community you're a part of? How do you know how to help people feel a community? The answer is you're not going to know. You just have to do your best. You have to listen. You have to listen and trust people and help people. And sometimes people do need a push. Sometimes people do need to, to, to know that they have a place. And that's why inviting people to church, inviting people to youth is so good, so important. And if they say no, invite them again. I'm not saying beat them over the head and say, if you don't come, we're not friends anymore. Don't. But just invite them so that they know. Uh, I am very weird. And I have a lot of issues, uh, largely around anxiety and depression. It shouldn't be a shock if you've ever heard me talk before. And apparently I talk a long time. But anyway, it's, it's something that I deal with. And so I have in my life not wanted to go somewhere. I remember very clearly, this was a long time ago, when uh, King Kong came out. And I'm not talking the 40s King Kong. And I'm not talking the most recent King Kong. I'm talking the one with Jack Black. And I remember it came out, and I was working at the time, or I was in high school or college, I was somewhere. And I remember a bunch of my friends went, I don't like King Kong, he's okay, I'm pro-Godzilla. And I remember I didn't get invited. And it hurt, even though I would have said no. And that's dumb, I know that's dumb, but there are people that feel that way. Uh, and so how do you know? You don't. But think about your life. Think about the things that bother you. Think about the things that you expect other people to know. You can't know without trying to relate. And the early church was successful, not because of the numbers, not because of the generosity even, but because they cared. And there were people that didn't go every day. There were people that didn't go out with them, but they were there or they listened or they were loved in a way that just really helped them. 
It's such a hard thing, but it's such a good thing to understand that community can mean a different thing. Some of you guys have a lot of best friends. Everybody that you know you refer to as a best friend. And so you hang out with a lot of people all the time. You go, I guess, I don't know what's open right now, but you go places with your friends and it's like, this is so fun. We've got 19 people and we're in one car and it's crazy, but let's, yay. And that's good. Some of you have one or two. Again, it is all in what your community is, but you also have to be open to other communities. And that's where I don't want to get to now um, before I go to the next scripture. Regardless of whether you feel more comfortable at home or you feel more comfortable in a group or you feel more comfortable texting or you feel more comfortable talking or you feel more comfortable online, whatever. You don't want to be closed off. Now, by that, I mean, I don't mean that you have to do everything everybody else does, but we live in an era and just like we're kind of in this this flux of of people of different generations learning things and growing things and arguing all the time. We live in an era where it's very easy to just find your community and stick with your community and never learn anything else. Uh, You can be a certain political persuasion and you can only watch the news that fits your political persuasion and you can block everybody on Twitter or social media that doesn't agree with you. You can join special social medias just to be with those people. And all you do is talk about what you think, what you believe, and you forget that other people think differently. Now, I'm not saying go to join the other side's things and everything, but I'm saying you have to understand that we're never alone in this world. And just to go a sports way, let's say that you're a Bengals fan. And let's say that you grow up in a Bengals household. And so you're part of the Bengals fan club and you go to Bengals games, you only watch Bengals television, you only celebrate when the Bengals win, so once or twice every seven years, you you are just together with other Bengals fans. And that's what you care about. That's what you understand. And then one day you go out and you go to Pittsburgh. And you're like, what? Not everybody's a Bengals fan. These people are awful. I hate them. They're so dumb. And you start to think, well, they're wrong. I don't need head nods on that. You start to think, well, they're so wrong. Because this is all that is there. Now, this can go negative, too. Because let's say that you're a murderer. Don't be. But let's say that that you really love driving puppies around in your car really fast and just dumping them in ditches. And let's say that you join groups and it's like the Rob Puppy Society. And so you drive that around and you join the groups and you have the shirts and the only people you talk to do that. Well, guess what? That's bad. Because the only people around you are telling you, hey, this is what we do. And that's the same for how you live your life. If you only surround yourself with people that say yes, that say, yes, you're so smart, you're so right, or morals don't matter, or whatever else, then you're going to forget what's right. So you don't close off your community. If a church only exists in a bubble and doesn't listen to other people and just thinks, well, our church is perfect and it's right, let's just keep it here and not bring anybody else in. And not go out and just be here. That church is dead already. Because they've forgotten what Jesus was about. What did Jesus do every day of his life? When he was on earth. He walked around. He talked to people. He didn't convert everybody that he talked to. Some of his disciples didn't even believe in him as it turned out. 
And yet he showed love. He showed respect. He didn't close off his community. He had those, those, that inner community of the disciples of Peter, James, and John uh, where they would just share that love, share that faith, and they, they would worship together and they would just grow together. But they didn't close it off. They didn't only watch their news. They didn't only go to their groups. They didn't only talk about what they talked about. They listened to other people. And if they disagreed with someone, they didn't say, well, we're never talking to them again. He's like, okay, we disagree. I'll pray for you. And not in a threatening way, not in a mean way, but I'll pray for you. I still love you. One more scripture, and this is Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Uh, Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is another thing like the first scripture uh, that we often point to and like, see, don't sin. It's true. But we don't truly look at the context there because that's not all it's saying. It doesn't say don't think like the world, don't be like the world in sin. Don't, like that's, it says that. But it also says don't copy their behavior. And so what do we see in the world? What did we see in the world? We saw the Pharisees striking down the disciples because they disagreed with them. Well, the disciples shouldn't do that. We see people hating people just because of their political views. That's the way the world works. That's not how we should work. We see people shutting people out because they live differently, because they look differently, because they act differently, because they think differently. That's wrong, straight up wrong. So when this says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, it doesn't just mean don't live in sin like the world. Again, that's part of it. But it means don't act like the world. Don't treat other people like the world would would treat them, like they do treat them. Don't show hatred. Don't show disrespect. Don't show disregard. Don't show apathy at people. And again, you don't have to agree with everybody. You don't have to be best friends with everybody. There are people that you shouldn't be friends with. There are people that that are abusive or manipulative or cruel, and you shouldn't be. But there's a far cry between not being friends or not having somebody in your life and actively hating them. The world would say, crush your enemies. Climb up the ladder, get the power, and then shut down everybody else. The world would say, gain all the money you can and forget everything else. The world would say, there's one way to do this. One community, one whatever. We say, well, there's one way to heaven. That's Jesus. But what did he do? He showed love. He respected people, even if they didn't believe in him. He loved people, even if they didn't believe in them. He, he listened to people. He built a community. And that community was not closed off. It had its aspects where they would grow together and have their meetings. That community showed love to everyone else. We have this opportunity, and I'll say this again, and I'll probably say it next week, even though you guys will have to watch it online. We have this opportunity as a church, as individuals, to come back from all of this differently. To come back from all of this and not just go back to the fighting, not just go back to the arguing, not just go back to the hating, hating, hating. But to be different. 
to be better, to treat people better, to show people who you are better. To try to understand other people's points of views. And yes, to understand your own and your own beliefs, but to understand other people. To listen to other people, to care about other people. We've seen a lot of the opposite in our lives. Already in your lives, you've seen this. But we have this chance. And it falls on you guys. I'm not saying that the older generations can't do it. But I'm saying you guys, you're the church right now. You have this chance to build something better, to build something newer, to live that faith, that Bible faith. But to show more love, to, to do more love, to show more generosity, to build a better community and to understand that other people have a different idea of community. But to still love them, to still share those connections. Not to get so caught up in whether you should text or call or meet in person, but to be like, okay, what's the purpose here? Where's the heart here? How can we help each other more here? How can we meet other needs here? That's what this series is about. That's what our lives should be about. That's what community really is. Sharing in beliefs, absolutely. But the disciples also went out to everyone and showed love. Jesus went out to everyone and showed love. And that's what we must do also. In order to build a new world, we have to build a better community. And to do our best to understand and love every other person, no matter what. That's all I got.